I'd ask you to open your Bibles this morning with me to the New Testament book of Matthew, and we are in chapter 6. We're continuing our sermon series called Jesus Teaches About, and we've been studying recently the Sermon on the Mount. And we've seen how Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples and to the other hearers that are, are there. And, and he's, been, he's been teaching them lessons that are designed for them and designed to teach them how to grow closer to God. It was designed to teach the Jews at that time how to grow closer to God. But see, the problem was is that their acts, their... their their everyday lives had become very ritualistic. They had become memorized. They had become very repetitive without reverence. Jesus has recognized this, and he's, he's teaching them properly how to come closer to God. There was this deep obligation, and we've seen it last week, that the Jews would take in, in showing their righteousness, this deep obligation to take care of the poor to give alms, we see an obligation that they had to fasting and a deep obligation to prayer. And Jesus was making this point that he wanted his listeners to know and those in the society to know at, at the time, and I would argue those in, in our day as well through his word, that you can do the right acts, but you can do the right acts for the wrong reasons. We had seen that last week. Their motivation for a lot of the things that they were doing for giving to the poor, their motivation for fasting, their motivation in prayer, was it was, it was the right thing to do, but they were doing it for the, the wrong reason. They were doing it to bring attention to themselves. That was pretty common in their day and age. And we saw Jesus talking about the hypocrites who were fasting, and, and they would go out on the streets and they would be they would be grumbling and they would be downtrodden so that everyone around them would, would know that, that the, the religious leaders were, were acting more piously, more religiously than anybody else. They were acting as if they were more faithful to their traditions and by being faithful to the traditions that they were closer to God than others. See, they were... They were doing the right thing, but they were doing it for the wrong reason. And we discovered last week that the right thing is always God's will. And the right reason is always for God's glory. No matter what we're doing, it's always to be done for God's glory. And it's to be His will, not our will. As Christians, what we do is not to bring glory to us. It's not to be, bring glory to our employers. It's not to bring glory to our neighborhood. It's not even to, be, to bring glory to our church. But rather, it is always to bring glory to God. Amen? Of the three areas that the Jews at the time and the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders were showing their righteousness. We looked last week at, at giving to the poor and we looked at fasting. This morning we come to Matthew chapter 6 is where in verses 5 through 9 in a message that I've titled, Just a Little Talk with Jesus. We're going to be looking this morning at 
the message and the, and the lesson that Jesus is teaching about prayer. Let's start out. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 5. Jesus says this, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need when you come before Him and ask Him. Pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Three times in these four verses, Jesus starts a sentence with an assumption. It's both an assumption and an instruction. And I want you to see this. This leads to point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you joining us for the first time, you'll find on the left-hand side of your bulletin, you'll find some fill-in-the-blanks. And I'm going to give you, I'm going to fill those in for you, and it'll be up here on the screen. Point number one in your notes this morning, a trademark of the Christian life is that of a disciple in prayer. A trademark of the Christian life is that of a disciple in prayer. Three times in four verses, Jesus starts out with these words. He starts out in verse number five with the words, and when you pray, he starts out in verse number seven with the words, and when you pray, and he started verse nine with the words, pray then like this. See, Jesus isn't simply coming to a point where he's teaching his disciples about how to pray, but rather he's letting them know that as Christians, as followers of Christ, they are expected to pray. Prayer, it's this one-on-one -on -one conversation with our Creator, and it is the basis, the essential, and the necessary step in our faith walk. There are numerous other steps in our faith walk, but our faith walk starts with prayer. We have to be able to pray. We, we, we have to draw in, in this communication. Experts in family therapy, experts in marriage counseling will, will continually say session after session after session that marriages grow through communication. The closeness of a, of a husband and a wife simply becomes deeper when a husband and a wife can sit on the couch and talk about nothing for hours. I want you to think about your best friend in high school. I want you to think back on the time. I think all of us here are, are at the time when you would actually use a phone for what it was meant for, right? For, for talking into it. I know nowadays our millennials have this massive amount of thumb work texting that they do back and forth with their friends, but I want you to think about your best friend in high school and all that time back and forth that you spent on the phone talking to your friends all the time. Who remembers dad saying, it's time to get off the phone? Man, they're always on the phone. Remember that? <laughs> you remember that? 
remember as being a dad saying, it's time to get off the phone. Like we were always on the phone, right? And what came out of that conversation that we had hours and hours and hours with our friends, day after day, is we knew them really well. We knew who they liked. We knew the teachers that they didn't like. We knew exactly where they hid the things that they didn't want their parents to find. We knew their deepest secrets because we talked with them a lot. See, it's, it's that conversation with other people that God wants us to have with Him. I don't know any dad that shakes their heads and saying, all my kids do is pray all the time. They just spend so much time on their knees in prayer. They're always praying. (sighs) What if somebody you knew said that about you? What if somebody that we knew said that about us? Wow, every time I see them, they're always praying. They're always in conversation with God. How close would we be to God if we spent that much quality time talking to Him? How close would we be to God if we spent the same amount of time talking to God as we spent as teenagers talking to our best friend? The same amount of time that that we wanted to be close to somebody How close to God would we be if we spent that amount of time talking to Him? As a child of God, we must be in constant communication with our Father. God is already willing and able and so excited about having a conversation with you. As a matter of fact, God has already recorded His side of your conversation almost like a voicemail. Like He called down to us thousands of years ago and left us a voicemail. You want to call Him up and press play on that voicemail and listen to what God has to say? It's in our book. His side of the conversation with us is in His Word. He's already given us His side of the conversation that He wants to have with us. You want to hear what what God is saying on His side of the conversation? It's time for us to just play that voicemail. It's time for us to open up the book. I talk about a voicemail, which is audio. Most of us have a cell phone that has a Bible app on it, or we can get a free Bible app, and you can actually listen to somebody read you the Bible. How many of you have listened to anyone read you the Bible through Bible app? Yeah? I don't know who the guy is that that reads the NIV, but he's got a great accent. Max? Okay, so you know exactly who I'm talking about. You know exactly who I'm talking about. I love his accent. I can listen to him read the Bible for hours. Some struggle and say, well, I I have a hard time reading. Well, then listen then listen. God has is, is actually given us the technology now to where you have the book in front of you, but you can literally listen to the voicemail that God has left for us. All we have to do is open up His book. 
See, He has already spoken to us. The question is, have we spoken to Him? Some people say, well, if God knows everything, then He already knows what I'm going to tell Him if, if I'm praying to Him. So do I really need to spend the time? And I would argue that God knows that you're going to use that as an excuse not to pray. He knows that you're going to say, well, God, you already know this, so I don't really have to sit down and talk to you, do I? Sure, God has already given us half of the conversation. He already knows your heart. He knows you better than you know you, but He wants you to have that conversation with Him. So that, so that your relationship with God is not simply one-sided. It's more than a one-sided conversation. Do you know that God cares about what you think? He does. Because He cares about you. And because He loves you. He cares about what you think. He cares about what you feel. He deeply cares about what you believe. He cares about your hurts. He cares about your emotions. I want you to think about, about your heavenly Father and the way that we should recognize our earthly Father. And I understand, I absolutely understand that some of us have earthly fathers that are way below the bar. I get that. But shouldn't our Father, even our earthly Father, shouldn't our Father care about us when we hurt? God, your Father, Abba, Father, cares about you when you hurt and He wants to know. Shouldn't our Father be delighted when we are excited? God, your Father, Abba, Father, cares when you are excited, wants to hear about it when you are excited. Shouldn't our Father be concerned with us when we are in the moment of our lives when we don't know what to do? God, your Father, Abba, Father, cares about those moments in your life when you don't know what to do. He wants you to come and talk to Him about that. I want you to come back with me into Matthew chapter 6. We're in verse number 6. Jesus says this, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. How many of us have grown up or, or have been attached to cultures, religious cultures, that prayer is based on repetition? Some? You know that? Jesus tells us, I don't want you babbling on, repeating the same thing like the Gentiles do. I want you to go in private and have a conversation with God. Point number two in your notes this morning. Our prayers, our, our personal conversations and petitions to God the Father. Our prayers are our personal conversations and petitions to God the Father. It's really not up to us. It's, it's not our job to let somebody talk to God for us. You know that you have a direct line of conversation to God. Of course, we can pray corporately, and we will pray corporately today. We're going to spend some time in prayer today. 
but you don't need me. You don't need somebody else at another church to talk to God. You can get on your knees and have a direct conversation with God your Father. See, Jesus says, He says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. He's not saying that all of your prayers need to be done in, in private, in your own private war room, which is, which is not a bad idea at all, to have a place in your house, to have a pray, place in your life where you go for prayer. This is your prayer spot. That's not a bad idea at all. His point is that in conversations with God, we need to be able to have this intimate and private conversation. If all we do is pray in public using big words all the time in front of others, we might not have that conversation of intimacy with God. I want to ask the married couples or those who have been married in the, in the past or if anyone... If anyone relates to the type of conversations that you would have with your spouse, would it be fair to say that sometimes when you're in public, you put on a, you put on a happy face and there's a smile? Maybe, maybe when, when you're out to dinner with another couple, right? That there's conversations that go on in that setting that are different than the conversations that go on in your private, intimate conver- uh, settings, right? That as a man and a, and a wife, there are conversations there when you are alone that are really meant for that private moment. That you have conversations there that probably aren't going to be had in public. Sometimes we, sometimes we put on a, a, a mask in, in public. Maybe we try and keep our arguments down when we're in public and around other people. But all of the communication in your relationship... If all of the communication in your relationship was the way that it was in public, we would be missing that intimacy, right? We would be missing that, that time when we come together as husband and wife and, and really have that private conversation. Not only is Christ saying that we shouldn't be making a spectacle out of our prayer, but He's teaching us the importance of private prayer and intimacy in our conversation with God. He's saying, I don't want you to forget about this. I know that many of us here can pray in public. And I'll be honest, some people are really good at that. Sometimes there's, there's an issue. Some people say, I struggle with praying in public. And they're really good at praying in private. Just the opposite. Some Christians, however... The only time that they pray is when the pastor asks them to. Maybe the only time that they pray is at Bible study and, and, and they know they're going to get called on and they, and they pray there at that moment, but don't really throughout their week spend any time in conversation. Jesus wants us to spend time in private, intimate conversation with the Father. These instructions that Jesus is giving His disciples and through His inerrant Word over the generations giving to us, He's not telling us not to pray corporately and in public, but rather He's telling us what not to do when we are praying in public. He's, he's saying don't use empty phrases. He's saying don't just sit around and repeat Something that you, that you learned as a kid. And, and don't just offer me words. I want an intimate conversation with you. 
Would it be fair to say that through the Bible, God has had an intimate conversation with us? His side of the conversation is very intimate. God wants our half of the conversation to be as intimate as His is with us. If we read through the Bible and we say, wow, God's words just touched my heart. You know what God wants from us? He wants our words to Him to touch His heart. That's our jobs as Christians. Is to bring these petitions, bring our conversation to God. Jesus says in verse number 8 here, He says, but your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. But He still wants you to ask Him. He still wants you to talk to Him. Would it be fair to say that there's conversations that a husband may have with a wife or a wife you might have with your husbands that are more private conversations? Maybe some topics that are better kept between the two of you. God wants you to be able to talk to Him with that deep intimacy of private prayer. There's a lesson that Paul passed on. The Apostle Paul passed on to the men and women who he was mentoring. Paul wrote letters to men who were going to be pastors of churches and areas. He wrote what we call the pastoral epistles, Timothy, and he wrote to Titus, and, and he's really teaching them and giving them instructions on pastoring the churches that they are going to pastor and to bring others up. And these letters are encouraging these men in their faith on how to lead others. And Paul says this in 1 Timothy Chapter 2, verse number 1, he writes this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Paul also wrote letters to the churches that he had started along his travels. And he exhorted them to continue praying. He wrote this to the church in Thessalonica. He wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. These three words, pray without ceasing pray without ceasing do not stop praying he wrote this to the church in ephesus in ephesus 6 18 he says pray in the spirit at all times and on all occasions stay alert and be persistent be persistent in your prayer for all believers everywhere he wrote this to the church in Colossae. In Colossians chapter 4, verse number 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. That leaves us to point number three in your notes this morning. As a church, we are to be praying for each other and with each other. As a church, we are to be praying for each other and with each other. Along with the instructions to create an intimate relationship with God through our prayer and conversation with Him, God has also instructed us as a church to spend time in corporate prayer with each other. And spend time in prayer for each other. Can you imagine we have a physical, we have a bloodline family at home and these are ones that we expect that are going to be there in certain immediate times of need 
In our spiritual times of need, we go to our church family. Amen? There's so many, even our physical times of, of need, when our church family comes together, we know that somebody from our church family is going to be there when we're in the hospital, right? When, when, when we've had a test run and we don't know exactly how they're going to come, what the results are going to be, we know that our church family is going to be there. Paul's teaching the churches, I want you to pray for each other and pray with each other. As a church, we are to bear one another's burdens. We are to deeply care about one another, to, to bring our petitions and our prayers to God for each other. So not only do we have this intimate relationship with God in prayer, we can have this intimate relationship with God not bringing our own personal petitions to God, but bringing petitions for somebody else. It's intercessory prayer. It's coming and saying, I'm going to be praying for you. In most of the letters that Paul writes to the various churches that he has planted, Paul tells the churches, he says, I've been praying for you. And he says... I beg of you to be praying for me and I'm instructing you to be praying for each other as a church body. This idea of being one with the Lord is being the same in spirit and in mind. Paul's saying, I want you to come together and be one and pray as one. This morning we're going to take the instructions of Paul we're going to take the instructions of Jesus at face value. And as a church, we're going to remember that we must come together and pray. And my prayer, my prayer is that through the week that we're praying for each other. For those of you that have been to any of our Bible studies or, or, or small groups as, as we're calling them, the, the Wednesday night small group or the Thursday night small group, you know that every single group we end our session in taking prayer requests from around the table. And I mentioned quite often that I implore you to keep these prayer requests that we write down, keep them at your nightstand. Put them up on your refrigerator. Keep them near you so that, so that through the week we can continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So that we can continue to pray for those in our church who have needs. Those in our church who have, who have praises. It's actually it's part of the culture of our small groups is to come together and pray for each other. I'm going to ask Isaiah to put up the next slide. There's going to be some important topics that we're actually going to pray about this morning as a church family, and we're going to spend some time. We're actually going to spend the remainder of our time this morning in prayer, and I'm going to ask that if you are bold enough, if you would, if you would pick one of these topics and lead us as a church in prayer. We're not here to recite memorized prayer. We're, we're not here to pray loudly on, on a street corner. We are here this morning to deepen our relationship and our intimacy with God the Father through our relationship and our communication with Him in prayer. 
I'm going to start us in prayer in a moment, and I'm going to ask you if you're comfortable, and, and David, if you could grab that microphone over there. And let me tell you, I, I, I will say, I'll tell you point blank, this is one thing that they teach you in seminary, be very careful in passing the microphone around, uh, because you never know when somebody's going to hold on to it for like a week. <laughs> so, but you know what, I have faith in our in our church and in our congregation. And I would like us to come together this morning and spend some time in prayer. I'll tell you that we're looking forward to 2020 and we're working on our vision 2020 right now. And we're going to present that in a sermon here in a couple of weeks. But for those of you who have been here for a little while and you know our vision and you know our mission here in our city, that's something that we can't do on our own. That we can't can't reach Paris from within Paris on our own. We need God's hand. Amen? I'm going to start and if, if you're comfortable, I'm just going to ask you to grab one of these topics And if you could lead us as a church in prayer. And I'm going to ask you if you could take these home. And if you could pray over these topics and pray for those in our church throughout the week. We must be a praying church. A praying church is full of praying individuals. Today we're going to pray corporately, but my hope is that at home, in your room and where you are, that you have these intimate conversations with God because they're so important. Let's pray.